else when you really think you have seen it all? You never have seen it all because I saw a goalpost make a tackle and win a game for a club last Thursday night in Brisbane. It was that sort of weekend again in round two of the NRL. This is You Can Take Me Now. I've seen it all. Warren Smith along with Matty Russell to take you through the weekend. We've just seen, Matty, and what may lie ahead for some of the teams who are either desperate or riding the crest of a wave after a brilliant start to the season for a a number of teams. Yesterday afternoon, I'm fresh off um, losing about three kilograms in the commentary (laughs) box at Brookvale Oval, which has no air conditioning, which isn't a massive surprise given um, the antiquity of Brookvale Oval. I was going to make a cup of tea out of my bottle of water without heating it in the, on the desk halfway through the second half. Because I reckon, had I put a tea bag in my bottle of water, I could have had a little Irish breakfast, one milk, a bit of sugar. Would have been just perfect temperature, I reckon. It was that hot yesterday at Manly. G'day, was I was watching at home in my air-conditioned lounge room, and it looked so hot, I even felt hot. I felt really sorry for the players especially the poor Parramatta Eels. Manly were actually outscoring the Adelaide 36ers in the NBL (laughs) Grand Final at one stage. That was remarkable, but there are seven words out of Brad Arthur's mouth that will surely alarm Eels fans. We just didn't have a go. It's round two. You're tipped to finish top four, and you're not having a go? Mm. What is going on? Yeah, it would be massive concerns um, off the back of what they showed yesterday, the, the Eels, with that fade in the second half, quite obviously against the Panthers last week. And they've been outscored, what is it now? Is it 78 blot since about the 30-minute mark of round one? 78 nil. I mean, that's hard to do. And but- no team has given up 50 and won the comp. The stats say if you are 0-2, you've got next to no chance of winning the comp. And Parramatta were tipped to be top four team. And, hey, challenging for a grand final spot. There are plenty of pundits who are reconsidering their thoughts. Yeah, you know, the heat was the same for both teams. Um, I know, I think Matty Johns has mentioned the fact that Parra warmed up for half an hour before the game. You know, I was at the game, I called the game. I didn't have a stopwatch on both teams, but Manly were out there for a fair while as well. So I don't know the fact you could say that Parramatta just, you know, spent their cookies too early on and had no gas for the game. Um, I don't know if that's a factor. Uh, to tell you the truth, I, like, there should have been a, a... It didn't matter for either team, but there should have been a drinks break in that game. I mean, if it's 39 degrees, like, where's the cutoff for as far as a drinks well, break well, and looking after the players? And thankfully... There was no issues as far as heat stroke. I mean, Lloyd Perrett played the game, and he's had massive issues in the preseason, as most football fans know. He had a, a huge health scare during the preseason, was rushed to hospital, and you know could have passed away at at its worst. Um, so you know, I don't know where the line is as far as the NRL is concerned and the medical staff. But if there's no drinks break yesterday. Then when when do you have a drinks break? When it gets to 30, 43, 44 degrees? <laughs> well, wherever the cutoff is, yesterday was past it. There should have been drinks breaks for the safety of the players. We hear all the time about player welfare. Well, welfare is not top of the list if they're not having a drinks break yesterday, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe the two clubs got together and the medical staff did some tests above the ground and came up with a unanimous decision, but I'm unaware of that. Yeah, so it'll be, you know, amazing to see it ever get that hot again for a game. I mean, I can't remember the last time I did a game that approached anything like that temperature yesterday. I mean, it's always a chance this time of year with the crazy weather we have these days, um, especially out west. I mean, Penrith has had some hot games in recent seasons, but that was pretty extreme yesterday. I don't, I, you know, just back to the Eels, I just don't know how you excuse what they showed yesterday. It was pretty obvious. You know, early on, I just, you know, you don't want to say it in commentary, but you just thought, 18-0, this game's over. It just had that feel about it. And we, and we see comebacks 
all the time, don't we? We see teams come back from 18 and, and worse. Um, but you just had a feeling halfway through that first half, God, this game is done. And the ease with which Manly went up the middle. We know Parramatta's forward pack isn't big, but they've existed on their want, their desire, their tenacity. That was non-existent yesterday. So if you're not going to have the size of some other clubs, you've got to play above your weight. And they didn't do that. So what does Brad Arthur do this week? He's already started, I suppose, by calling them out and saying, we didn't have a go. I wouldn't like to be an eel at training this week. Yeah, and it's rare that a coach will actually go to that extent. I mean... You could count on one hand the times where a coach has actually walked into a press conference and said, you know, we flew the white flag. We just didn't have it. They'll quite often say, oh, we didn't, we didn't come out of the sheds at half time. That means we just weren't switched on. Doesn't mean we didn't have a go. But yesterday when he says those exact words, we just didn't put all our, you know, everything into it, then, you know, there'll be some, some soul searching this week at Parramatta, no doubt. And they need to get things going in a hurry because they've got a huge game this weekend, haven't they? against the Cronulla Sharks, uh, both 0-2. And, mm. and before we leave Brad Arthur, it's all very well to call out the players and say, we didn't have a go. Well, underline we. Players often perform for their coach. If they're not having a dig, I'm sure Brad Arthur would stick his hand in the air and say, well, I've got to accept some responsibility. I've got to make sure they do have a go. Yeah, tough week for a coach because they'll be running through everything. I mean, they'll, they'll go through, you know, did, was the warm-up too long? What, what did we do? We'd... In preparation for the week, are we, are we doing something? And it starts to you start to question everything you've done, not just in the last couple of weeks, but going back to November 1, if that's when you started pre-season training after the players have had their break, you're going back to November 1 or November 7 or whatever the date was and thinking, what have, have we been doing something wrong this whole time for the last three and a half months to get this team ready for it's the a, season? It's a great point. Brett Kamali, I remember him saying that the worst part about a losing record across the first month of competition, you start to second-guess everything, everything you've done pre-season. And as soon as that starts to come into your mind, then you lose your way. It's a very relevant point. You're not just giving the opposition teams a head start. You're actually second-guessing yourself and making it even tougher the second month of the competition to refocus and uh, gather your direction again. Yeah, they've just got to stick solid and you know have the confidence that what they've been doing uh, over the last three months is the right path, and they've just had a bit of a shocker of the first couple of weeks, and they can get things around. And you know, perhaps the best thing that it could have happened to Parramatta, as opposed to maybe losing a twenty to eighteen game yesterday, and maybe you know papering over a few cracks. Maybe fifty four nil is exactly what they needed, and they might bounce back out and uh, and have a good one this week against the Sharks. But they're, they're desperate, also the Sharks. Well, was you called that one the one sided romp? You also called the thriller Broncos twenty four, Cowboys twenty three. Dallium points to the post. <laughs> Tell me what went through your mind with that microphone at your lips as Scott Bolton careered into the goalpost, dropped the ball, and as a result, let the game go for the Cowboys. Well, it was shocking. It was, it was stunning because. The pass was so good, and Bolton's you know, on the angle going to hit the gap and just score under the post, and the Cowboys are going to win. And so you've got that in mind as it's all happening. You, you know, Bolton's got the ball, and he crashes into the goalpost. <laughs> I mean, how does that happen? When does that ever happen like that? I mean, I just haven't seen anybody do it to that actual you know, force of contact. I don't know, ever. For 110 years, the goalposts have been in the same position. Scotty yeah. Bolton's had a long time to be aware of where the posts are. To his defence, he, he was running. It was on his blind side, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Almost like when you go to pull out and the car's overtaking you, 
you know the rules, you know there could be a car there, and we, we all do it. But, but I don't know, how did he run into the post still? I'm trying to find an excuse for him. But <laughs> well, it was talk, certainly spectacular. Talking about papering over cracks, does, does that win? Because um, if, if you know he scores and the Cowboys win, then the Broncos are suddenly 0-2 with a pretty ordinary loss in Week 1. And while it was a much better effort, undoubtedly, against North Queensland up there at Suncorp on Thursday night, but you know maybe does that win sort of paper over a couple of cracks for the Broncos? Does it paper over... You know, this Matthew Lodge thing still won't go away. I mean, it was back page in the Sunday Telegraph, the whole story of his, you know, the, his history with his former girlfriend before all the drama uh, played out in New York. Is this, is that, that's going to keep bubbling along. And Wayne Bennett, you know, referenced the, you know, the Broncos' battle with the media. You'll never divide us, was how he pretty much finished his press conference on Thursday night. Which, you know, which my, is ridiculous. Which is we, ridiculous. How many people are genuinely out to divide the Broncos? Nobody. Exactly. Well, to, to what end? It's a siege mentality that coaches love to generate, but it's, it's old-fashioned stuff. Mm. We, we, we don't go into a media conference or wake up saying, let's divide the Broncos today. Journalists and media operators say, what is a story today that, that the public is going to be interested in? Yeah. And, and that's what the Broncos and the league needs to work out. How can we take the interest out of this story. How can we end it? I'm Matthew lodged out, but I would like to see him taking steps to repay those people in the States who are on the end of his atrocity. And I think there needs to be an investigation to what exactly happened with this ex-girlfriend. So fans can go to the ground and cheer a rugby league player knowing that, yes, he has offended, but he's willing and working to turn it around. He might have done some measures along those lines, but has he done enough? Mm. I don't know. Well, the fans, they still have questions quite obviously because the people who run newspapers, you know, they tailor stories to what is in the interest, what's in the public interest at that point, what's going to sell papers, and they put it on the front of the paper because they still figure there's lots of people interested. And as it turns out, the major sponsor of the Brisbane Broncos, NRMA Insurance, they're interested as well because they want more answers and they want to see some sort of payment scheme set up so that Matthew Lodge can start paying back to, uh, the victims of his night of you know, insanity in New York back in 2015. Um, so they think it's a story. Wayne Bennett is doing himself a disservice because he's almost saying to the fans, you're, you're not entitled to know what this story is about and to talk about this story. This story should be dead. Well, unfortunately, Wayne, it's not dead. And yeah, just basically having a crack at the fans saying the, the, the temerity of the media to ask these questions on behalf of the fans. And that's what Wayne always forgets, I think. He lives in a footy bubble, quite obviously, because when you go to a press conference, you're asking questions for stories that the fans are interested in. So it's basically, if the fans could come into the press conference, they would ask exactly the same questions, wouldn't they? Exactly. If you walked into the front, front bar of the pub, they would say exactly the same thing to Wayne Bennett. What's the go with Matthew Lodge, mate? What are you guys doing? Yeah, lesson 101 in media training. You are not speaking to that journalist or media operative. You are speaking through them to the fans. Yeah. And without the fans, we don't have the support for the game that we need. And, and I'm amazed that one of the uh, insults or criticisms of the media is, where were you when he first returned to rugby league a couple of years ago? Well, the fact of the matter was, he wasn't an NRL player there. Yeah. He's just become an NRL player again. That's why the questions are being asked. And he wasn't made available for interview because any journalist will tell you, and there's a number of them, James Hooper included, who works obviously at Fox Sports and Fox League. Um, he requested an interview with Math Lodge um, however many times in that period and was knocked back every time saying, it's not a story, we're not talking about it, just go away, basically is what they wanted you know, 
the, the media to do so. But was before we leave the Broncos, you asked whether they had just papered over some cracks. Anthony Milford showed enough to suggest that, okay, well, well, that's a great bounce back after a week of really strong criticism. And I thought a few of their forwards really lifted as well. And that was where I had a question mark. So uh, I, I give them a bit of a tick after that win. Yeah, i tell you what, if Tavita Pangai Jr. gets injured anytime soon, they yeah. are in trouble yeah. because he has been outstanding. He might have been the, the form forward of the competition over the first couple of rounds. His form in that loss to the Dragons was terrific. And then he was, wow, at another level to most of the forwards on the paddock on, on Friday night, especially compared to the, the Cowboys forwards who got outplayed by the, uh, the Broncos pack. They move on for a clash against, yes, the Tigers. It might be the game of the round. I mean, the Storm and the Cowboys is a pretty interesting affair on Thursday night. But the Tigers and the Broncos at Campbelltown, Friday night, 8 o'clock, live on Fox League, obviously. It should be a full house, shouldn't it? It should be. But we've said that before. And let's hope Campbelltown really gets behind West Tigers. It's a huge weekend for Tigers. They've got uh, celebrations spilling across the whole weekend. And after going two from two, uh, just as a sidelight, in spooky fashion, 10-8 for the second week in a row. <laughs> Canberra was beaten 30-28 for the second week in a row. And South Sydney played Penrith, who were down 14-0 and came back to win for the second week in a row. So quite clearly, round one was so good, a few teams had said, let's do it again in, in, round, in round two, sorry. So, but the Tigers, their defence outstanding against the Roosters and now Melbourne, can they keep that defensive intensity going? That's the question. And here's another question. If Josh Reynolds is right to go, does he come straight back in? He's their $900,000 marquee man. What do you do with Josh Reynolds once he's over his hamstring injury? Mm, I think maybe Benji Marshall alluded to the fact uh, in his post-game interview on Saturday night down there in Melbourne that, you know, I'm prepared to go back to the bench and play a role off the bench. And that might be, a, you know, a three-man rotation where, you know, Reynolds starts at 5'8", uh, Brooks is the halfback, Benji comes off the bench at whatever point, uh, Reynolds bumps up into dummy half, which he's played in the past. It means he has to defend, quite obviously, in the middle of the defensive line. I'm not so sure that's a great idea. Um, they have also have Jacob Little coming back from injury at some stage pretty soon. The Tigers from a shoulder injury after having a reconstruction at the end of 2017. So um, they've got some options in regards to the halves and the 5-8. Suddenly, it's a crazy situation because you know the old saying is, don't change a winning side. But Reynolds, you know, they've paid him a lot of money to come across and be a part of this team in 2018 and beyond. Um, he's, he's in the 17, there's no question about that. And he's going to be in a starting role. I think we'll see Benji you know, come off the bench, and I think we will see that rotation through the, through the dummy half roll. I reckon it's a problem for week four, not week three, because the hamstring injuries are notorious. And given they play on Friday night, then not until the following Monday, it's a long break if they can give... Josh Reynolds, one more week, they buy nine more days of recuperation. I reckon they'll err on the side of caution and not play him in round three. Yeah, well, that might be the case. Yeah, they just might, you know, softly, softly, they might, might tread there. But um, what a story. I mean, the Tigers, they're obviously super fit because if you're going to defend the way they've defended, you've got to be fit. They've done a great job, obviously, out there with them in the preseason, got them in tip-top shape. Um, their line speed has been enormous. Uh, Benji's decision-making... Uh, you know, talking about this yesterday with Greg Alexander before the game out there at Brookvale, Benji can't physically do what he was able to do at the beginning of his career. Like he can't put on the, the magic steps and leave you know blokes in their underwear, you know, stepping out of their shorts, you know, into the defensive line just you know as he steps past them. Um, he just can't. He can't physically do what he's been able to do in the past. So maybe 
that's the best thing that's ever happened to Benji in regards to the back end of his career because he's just you know he's been fairly conservative. If kicking it out is the best go, I'll just kick it out, slow things down, force a scrum. That worked beautifully against Melbourne, you know, and it meant they could defend them from set play situations. There's such a control about his play at the moment, which there hasn't been, I don't think, at various times in his career, that it's just working so nicely for him at the moment, and he's just playing such a cool head. Great to see, isn't it? And something else that Brandy said, he said that Benji looks fit again. He's trimmed mm. down around the uh, the rump, shall we say, and he looks like he's getting back. He's never going to be back to how he was in 2005, 6, 7, but he's clearly as fit as he has been for a couple of years, and I think he enjoys the leadership role that, returning to the club where he made his name uh, affords him. We saw that on Saturday night against Melbourne when he called the troops back to form a tunnel for Billy Slade. A great touch before he did a Fox League interview. You could defend him or forgive him for being absorbed in the cross he was about to do, but no, where are my players? Let's get back here and recognise Billy the right way. I just thought it was fantastic. A real show that you know his status at that club is clearly in the top few. And you sort of wondered when he went back to have this final year, maybe it goes beyond the final year, depending on how things pan out. But I think at this stage it is you know, determined it's going to be a final year for Benji. And I don't know longer term how his body would fare going into 2019, but you know, that, yeah, that was classy. What they did, he's a real leader there. Um, he's taken ownership of that role. And, you know, Ivan Cleary is such a cool, calm customer himself. Obviously, they get on pretty well. Um, Benji's brought, as we mentioned last week on the, on the podcast, Benji's brought a lot back, I think, it's his time with Wayne Bennett, as critical as we are of Wayne Bennett. I think you can learn a lot off him as far as man management and footy. So, um, you know, lots of things clicking for the Tigers at the moment. I guess there'll be people waiting for the bubble to burst. Um, I don't think it will. I don't think it will burst. If it's going to burst, I don't think it bursts against the Broncos. I think the Tigers are in that game up to their eyeballs. They proved that. If you can go to Melbourne on a night where there's a milestone game for Billy Slater and their record in milestone games, you and I have done plenty of them, it's phenomenal. And Billy's 300th in particular. And they played them off the park. They outworked them. Um, they out-tackled them. They were too good for the defending premiers who only lost two games all of last year at full strength. It's really it's in the last thirty games, if you include the World Club Challenge final against Leeds, it's only their their, their third loss when they've been at full strength in thirty games. Wow! Yep. So you know, full credit to the Tigers. Uh, well, I flew down with the Tigers on Friday, and one of my travelling companions said, "How will the Tigers go against Melbourne?" I said, "Oh, not good." Billy's 300. The Tigers, I fear, might have had their one win for the first five rounds. Well, they've proven me wrong, and good luck to them. That horrid draw across the first five weeks, all of a sudden they're 2-0. Oh. Mm. Uh, I've got Melbourne again coming up. They've got the Broncos. They've got the Eels. But, uh, you know, all of a sudden you're not riding them off in any of those games. No question. No, no. It, it's, they've proven themselves over two weeks against two of the hot pots. Um, so it's, you know, game on for the Tigers. They go into every game now at least... You know, even money, um, as far as, you know, the punters should be concerned, that's for sure. I mean, they won't be underdogs to anybody at the moment until someone knocks them off. They'll, they'll be out there and they, they should be favourites for most games they play at the moment. And was three teams who finished bottom four last year are now 2-0. and oh. We've wrapped the Tigers. What about Newcastle? 30-28 mm-hmm. against Canberra. And early in the weekend, I called the Warriors against the Titans. Now, admittedly, Gold Coast had no Ash Taylor, but I saw more from the Warriors to say, hey, hey, there's some potential here. We've been on this bandwagon before, and it's gone off the edge of a cliff. But but young forwards, the spine outstanding and, and playing accordingly, I, I liked what I saw from the Warriors. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to go off too early because, <laughs> trust me, I've been there multiple times 
and been horribly stung. But but I liked what I saw from them. And it's like the Tigers. Until they prove that they can't do what they've been doing, then you've got to change your thinking immediately about the Warriors and say, hey, this is a good team. There's mm. something doing over there. You can tell that, again, just the way, um, and we mentioned Alex Corbo uh, last week. I think, we to... I think we might have mentioned Mark Corbo. We, that was my era. Mark? But yeah, uh, definitely right. Alex, Alex, Alex Corbo. Sorry, Alex. Doing uh, a great job. He's a, absolutely. They're fit. They look, uh, they're on the same page. I don't know you could always say that about the Warriors. I think there was, you know, you'd watch them play sometimes and Sean Johnson was doing his things and didn't seem to be in, in tune with either the forward pack or his dummy half. You know, Isaac Luke talking about Benji Marshall being fit. Isaac Luke looks as fit as he's been since he left the Rabbitohs. He Final left... year of his three-year contract was. Yeah, it's funny Coincidental, how, I'm sure. Funny how that works <laughs> out. But he wasn't happy when he left the Rabbitohs. Um, you know, he just didn't, you know, he was put on the bench by Michael Maguire, and within a couple of weeks, he was you know, joining the Warriors. So, um, you know, despite whatever was playing out in the media at that time, it, you know, he, he basically pulled the, the, the card out of his back pocket and said, I'm bundying out of here. I'm going somewhere else. I don't want, I'm not a bench player. Um, well, and now he's proving to everybody he's not a bench player. He's playing great footy. Mm. And with he and Johnson and, the, as you mentioned, the forward pack around them, um, you know, I can't see why they can't keep batting on. And well, they go to Canberra. Uh, yeah. This weekend, Saturday afternoon on Fox League to start the Saturday Super Saturday triple header and against the Raiders, desperate. They could easily be 2-0 and themselves so they could close out a close game. But uh, last year's problems are back to haunt the Raiders. The Faders. <laughs> the Faders. The Canberra Faders. There they were again last night. You sort of figured, ah, you know, they'll get away with this one. And the Newcastle Knights score a try late to, uh, to get the cash. And as you said, beat the Raiders for the second week in a row. They've lost 30 points to 28. Um Ricky's trying to stay calm, but there'll be a sense of panic down there already because there were question marks about Austin and Caesar going into this season and therefore might have been okay. I mean, they've scored 28 points in two games straight. That should be enough to win you know, yeah. the vast majority of games, but they've conceded 30 twice in a row. So there's something doing defensively. They've got a big forward pack. Um, it's early in the season, I guess, warm conditions. Are, are they being exposed? I just think defensively, the tackle bag's going to be out at training this week. You can't be giving up 30 points, let alone two weeks in a row. You're right, scoring enough points but not stopping them. I don't know what to make of the Canberra Raiders. When you watch them in passages, that you think, wow, good team. You know, a team that could do something this year if they can win the close games they lost last year. But, yeah, not in it for a period of consistency during the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what Ricky does down there. Not the first time that Ricky's encountered that. One year at the Sharks... As head coach, he lost nine games by six or less. It was actually uh, nine by four or less, I think, that, that mm. year. But he's encountered this problem before, Ricky, and he's got to get over it real quick. There's a discipline problem. I've always said this you know, about Canberra in recent seasons. This is a discipline problem down there. I mean, Joey Leilure and Jordan Rappiner at times can just go off, the, off the, you know, the, the cuff a little bit and do something silly. Joey Leilure in particular. Now, I know he hurt himself in the game uh, this weekend, uh, last night against the Newcastle Knights, but... You know, there's just crazy little things that happen at times which they just give away penalties when they don't need to give away a penalty and just puts them under pressure where they could have easily avoided that. Um, and until they can get that out of their game, they'll find ways to lose games that they shouldn't lose. And I think that was, again, the case uh, against the Newcastle Knights last night. little asterisk there was, you mentioned Jordan Rappiner, and I saw on social media last night fans blowing up, why aren't they saying his name correctly? Well, finally, we are. Yeah. We've asked into his face. His mum was into us for years saying it's Rappiner. We didn't want to change mid-season. So before round one, we approached him and said, Jordan, how do you want it said? This is it. From now on, it's going to be right consistently on Fox League. He said Rappiner. 
So Rappiner it is. Yep, that's terrific. And, you know, as happened in the past, you know, players will come through, make first grade, and their name's been anglicised because that's the way they say it because that's what their mates call them at school, the case of the Matautiers exactly. and plenty of others. So um, Jordan Rappiner, hell of a good player. Um, scored another terrific try last <laughs> night. And, uh, yeah. You know, maybe he can spark the Raiders over the weeks ahead because they need something pretty quickly. Indeed they do, starting this weekend against the Warriors who are on the road. They won on the road week one. I wonder if they can do it week three. From what I saw, as I mentioned, fantastic. You're calling that game. Um, You're also calling the Titans and the Dragons. Now, the Titans didn't have Ashley Taylor in that loss to the Warriors um, on Saturday. Um, They take on the Dragons, who are two from two. It's at Toowoomba, of course, because the Gold Coast... Titans home ground, Seabus Super Stadium, is being used as a venue for the Commonwealth Games. So they're on the road to begin the season. Yeah, well, Ash Taylor turned 23 against the Warriors. He obviously watched, but now he goes back to his old home ground. And, and they missed Ash Taylor big time. The amount of time they spent in the Warriors 20, and I thought, here they go. Here's the try to really set this game up. They just couldn't come up with the play. Last year, he led the league in try assists, 29, in fact, 21 via the boot. Well, it, it was... Stark, the fact that he wasn't out there. They they lacked that punch to get a repeat set or set up that back end of the set to, to come up with points. So if he returns, that increases their chance immeasurably, especially at Toowoomba, where it's been built up as Ash Taylor returning home. Yeah. And as a sidelight, fantastic. I've been calling out for years, we need to play more games in regional centres. The critics come at me and say, no, no, it cheapens the game. It doesn't cheapen the game. It repays the regional fans who pour so much into this code week in, week out by travelling to the Big Smoke to watch footy. I love it. So I hope that the Toowoomba promotion is fantastic and I hope it's a beaut game, but the Titans will need to be really good against the Dragons who've started unbeaten. And I think their forward pack can certainly uh, step up and challenge the Dragons. Jai Arrow was fantastic again. Uh, We get Jared Wallace back this week Mm -hmm. and uh, there are some very good signs for Garth Brennan in a young forward pack that has potential and it's certainly stepping towards achieving that. Yeah, and the Dragons uh, have been good over the first couple of weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if um, they slipped up at some stage. It looks likely to do that against the Sharks uh, last week, didn't they? I mean, You it called was... it was, and you called the strangest 10 minutes of sin bin period I've ever seen. It was crazy. I mean, so they get the sin bin, they're, they got, they're a man up, and then for the next 10 minutes, it went like this. It was, so they kicked the penalty goal. There was a, a knock on, Matt Morlin off the kickoff. They turn it over. The next possession... Aaron Gray knocks it on on play one. Next possession, Andrew Fafita knocked it on about play four. Then they gave away a penalty, two points. Um, kick it out on the full from the kickoff, Josh Dugan. They give away another penalty for a dangerous throw, four points in total. They went, so they were minus four during the sin bin period. Can you believe that? No, and I, I watched uh, with interest as uh, Shane Flanagan left his courtside or field side chair, walked up the tunnel and I was screaming, follow him into the room, follow yeah. him into the room because I could picture chairs and water bottles going everywhere. But obviously we had to go back to the action. I uh, I feared for the dressing room as Shane Flanagan entered. Yeah, I thought that might Well be... before full time, may I add. Yeah, He'd see... given up. Yeah, that's right. Oh, a minute to go. Yeah, I thought like Ricky Stewart smashing a couple of uh, plastic chairs down on the side on a yes. Canberra a couple of seasons ago. I thought we might have had plastic just shattering. <laughs> well, apparently sure that wasn't did. the case though because oh. talking to Mick Ennis, um, he said that he was pretty calm and collected. And um, they both had a bit of a chat before the players got back into the rooms after they, you know, the full time finish and shake hands and all the stuff that happens after a game before the players actually get back in the dressing room. They said he was pretty cool and calm, and his press conference, I thought, was in the same vein. It wasn't, you know, he wasn't red faced. 
he wasn't carrying on um, the way I thought he might have. So I guess that's a good sign. He's been there. he's been around a fair while now. Yeah. Won a premiership. Shane knows what he's doing. So, but um, yeah, Owen two massive massive game for them against the Eels. Yeah, huge. I'm really looking forward to that. I suppose equally, if two teams were unbeaten head to head, I think there's as much interest when both teams are yet to open their account because you know the desperation uh, reading is sky high. So um, I've got the Storm and the Cowboys. Oh yes, on Thursday night which will be huge, and the loser of this one will have lost two games in a row. Mm. And they'll be one and two after the first three rounds of the season, which is quite remarkable because I think you would have got these long odds about that happening at the start of the season, that either the Storm or the Cowboys would be one win and two losses at the end of round three. But that's how it's going to be by the time we get through Thursday night. A grand final rematch, the Storm facing back-to-back losses at home. That just doesn't happen. And the Cowboys, do they get Michael Morgan back for this one? They'd love to have him on deck. Well, they're hoping, but the, you know, the word was Michael Morgan did a little piece for their website off the back of the game against the Broncos. And as it turns out, they're a little concerned. They think that maybe, just maybe, he won't be back this week. Ooh. And this ab problem he's got, he's got a strain in the abdominal muscles. It's like one of the one of those sort of you know kooky little foot injuries you can get, which can just like or a toe, mm. which can take forever to you know be right, or you just can't play with it. And they're saying it might be another week, it might be another two weeks. I mean, just don't know. It's going to be a, a week to week basis, so it's going to be the storyline that keeps on giving as far as you know the Michael Morgan watch is concerned. Will he play this week? Um, and from what we saw defensively, I think especially with Tamare Martin being exposed a little bit in his combinations on that right hand side with Justin O'Neill outside him, I think they need Morgan back there pretty quickly. Otherwise, they're going to be targeted, especially this week, by the Melbourne Storm. As you get ready to call this game, was what are you thinking? What uh, Is there a positional matchup that you're really going to look forward to and, and thrive on? Is there some other issue at play? But, you know, as a commentator preparing for this game, what jumps out at you as being the big factor? Like, obviously, last week it was 300 for Billy Slater. Easy. You do your, your research and your prep around a lot of that. But this week, grand final rematch, what jumps out to you very early on in the week, I know? Uh, I think uh, Jordan McLean going up against his old club, quite obviously. Um, and they'll need to show something the Cowboys forwards because I thought they were... Were a little, you know, they were beaten on uh, Friday night by the, the Brisbane forward pack. There's no doubt about that. Brisbane, with their line speed, got up in their faces and the metres just weren't there for McLean and Scott. Um, Jason Tamalolo at the back of the game was causing some damage. They, they came with that late surge and almost got away with the game. He and Thurston, I mean, Thurston was just ridiculous how good he was. I mean, he's coming back from the shoulder <laughs> reconstruction. Oh, you know, just to watch him play, the efforts he makes. There was one player they got, they bundled Corey Oates into touch to get possession, 20 out from the Broncos line, and, and Thurston came from 25, 30 metres away because he just, he just could sense that there was a chance. If they held Oates up, he could get there and lend his weight to the tackle and get possession back for his team, and that's exactly what he did. They got the ball back, and they scored through his efforts on the next set of six. Um, he's remarkable. Such a great player. So to see Thurston, Smith... Slater in particular, all on the same field in the same game. Um, it probably won't be a sellout because it's a Thursday night down there in Melbourne, but it's worthy of a sellout in a big, big stadium. It should be 80,000 people every time they go around. And, and I've said for years that, you know, I used to say to people, I know you, you might not be a fan of, you know, whoever the Melbourne Storm are playing this week, but when they do play your team, make the effort to go and see them play because you need to see Billy Slater in the flesh because it's, it's one thing to see him on TV, 
it's another thing altogether again to watch him in the flesh. And that's still the case here at the back end of his career, given everything that's happened with his shoulder injuries. But, you know, to see him every time he goes around, if you happen to be calling the game, it's a real treat. And I can't wait to see what Billy... And, you know... They'll, they'll be doing some soul-searching like the Eels, and the scoreline was quite different between 54-0 or 10-8 <laughs> against the Tigers, but it's a game they certainly weren't expecting to lose, and um, it'll be a pretty intense week under Craig Bellamy down there in Melbourne, won't it? If JT continues that form that you saw against uh, the Broncos, are you convinced he won't play any part in this year's Origin Series? No, no, I'm not convinced of anything. And I know we had the big farewell, and yeah. you, uh, you know, in the, the spotlight in the middle of Suncorp Stadium with the, the, yeah. the sling and everything, but... I'm not convinced he's not going to play. I and mean, the other question is, this is meant to be his last year. If he keeps playing like he did against the Bronx, can he really leave the game in that sort of form? Um, Again, you know. It, it, you know, a big part of it will depend on their salary cap situation and yep. who's, I mean, Jason Tamalolo is locked away for you know from here until eternity. Yep. Um, M- Michael Morgan's good to go. Um, so they've got some of their big game big names. Jordan McLean's locked in for a number of years. He's in year one of his deal. Matt Scott's got another year. Um, so, you know, it might be a big ass to squeeze him in, given what they're doing. Um, but they'd find a way. If just, he said, "I want to play," say on. never. Yeah, <laughs> they, they'd find a way. Yeah, even with third-party agreements, perhaps being you know more yeah. heavily scrutinised or being tightened up or being abolished. Who knows what will happen in the next twelve months or so? Yeah. But um, maybe they might grandfather some of those deals and. Yeah, JT going around again. Well, you wouldn't say that's a bad thing for football, would you? That old adage, I'd rather play for one season too few than one season too many. But, boy, if you're playing good footy and you love it, it must be so hard to make that decision. Or maybe if they win the comp. Maybe if they they were close last year without him. Maybe if they go that one step further with him and Matt Scott back and they do win the comp, he might just go, well, that's a perfect way. Yeah. To, to go out, and I'm, I'm going out as planned. Mm. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I've also got the Bulldogs and the Panthers this weekend. The Bulldogs regressed, I think, from what they, we saw in Perth against the Melbourne Storm. They weren't as, as sharp and pretty early in the game. It was quite obvious the Roosters were going to be too good for them on, um, on Friday night out there at Allianz Stadium. Well, the Panthers, they're one of those teams who were two and oh. So a big game for the Bulldogs. You know, I, I think a lot of Bulldogs fans might have thought that we've We've got rid of Des, and Des was the problem. Well, Des was a problem. He wasn't the entire problem. Um, part of the problem with Des was he's mismanaged the salary cap and their roster in recent seasons, and they're in this predicament with having to lose Josh Reynolds and James Graham um, and Sam Cassiano. Um, so they've lost some talent, quite obviously, and it's going to be a, you know, a work in progress. They're going to take a year or two to get back to where they would like to be. It's not going to happen in 2018 for the Bulldogs. And um, if the Panthers, if they click from the kickoff, then the, you know, the Bulldogs and plenty of other teams are in trouble because we know what they can do. And if they, if they have their heads on right from the get-go, then they could they maybe do a number on Canterbury. Yeah, the Bulldogs certainly don't want to lead 14-0 in this one because uh, Penrith, we know what they can do. Was hypothetical question: Who would you rather have after two rounds of the competition, James Graham or Aaron Woods? It's an easy answer, isn't it, to come up with? But you know, Aaron Woods has been a player who's cop criticism across the first two rounds. It's a huge weekend for him this weekend. I think he has to really deliver. And the Dogs' defence giving up 36 against Melbourne, 30 against the Roosters. Compared to the West Tigers, have kept both those teams to 10. Yeah. You know, so yes, we know they had their. Uh, attacking struggles through 2017, but let's not forget about the need to stop points as well. And yeah. they haven't done that across the first two rounds. Because while their attack was anemic, it was just awful over the past couple of seasons. They were by far and away the worst team as far as scoring points last season. Um, we know that, but 
Um, the reason they went you know, as far in the competition as they did, and they were out of it pretty early on, but their defence was you know, top eight, sort of thing. They were about eighth ranked uh, in defence. So, um, yeah, they need to get that sorted out pretty quickly. Otherwise, um, yeah, Penrith might put on quite a tally uh, this weekend. On uh, Was that Friday night, that one? Yes, it is. The six o'clock game. You've got a busy weekend, Was mm, Thursday, yeah. Storm Friday, Cowboys. Sunday. And then Sunday we've got the Roosters and the Knights. What a game this will be. Yeah, yeah. And not just because uh, they're both off wins. The Knights a couple of wins. But let's face it, it's the Roosters against the Roosters seconds, as some yeah. cool people have described. And Knights might be saying, well, we're not the Roosters seconds, actually, because we're ahead of the Roosters right now. And already uh, Mitchell Pearce has come out and a couple of little you know, shots across the bow of the Roosters and their fans. He sort of said, oh, you know, we get... Lots of fans to watch us in Newcastle. How good is that? Yeah, uh, and, yeah. and there won't be as many fans, or maybe there will, this will be a good crowd for the Roosters because they can struggle at times to draw fans through the gates there at Allianz Stadium. And Mitch has said, oh, we might get a good crowd uh, for this game on Sunday because uh, all the Newcastle fans will be pouring down in their thousands to watch us play. This is not just another game for Mitchell Pearce. He might say as much this week, although I tend to think he won't. I tend to think he'll be quite happy to, to flag his determination to beat the club that said, no, we want Cooper Cronk and indirectly forced Mitchell out. I think it's an intriguing element of this contest. Mm. Mitchell Pearce against the Roosters. Then you throw in Aidan Guerra, Connor Watson, Sean Kenny Dowell. You know, they're all going to be up for this game. And uh, it's a great way, again, to finish round three. It'll be a beauty, Sunday night footy. I would like to see this slot every week. I think the 6.30 Sunday slot, there's a real chance to build a brand there, for I think, for the NRL. And I'd like to see it. You know, it won't happen uh, this season. But I think you know, it's Sunday night football. I know it's not comparing apples and oranges. Sunday night football in America is the biggest yeah. rating show on TV. Not just sports. Everything. And that's what it will be done for because Sunday night in the middle of winter before a work day the next morning might not be too favourable in the eyes of the fans, but as a television slot, uh, I know that uh, with the benefits of Fox League, we hit pause, finish the... Uh, the, the meal, Sunday meal with the wife and family, and then hit play and off you go. Mm. It's fantastic. Yeah, I thought last night, uh, sitting back, and uh, we did exactly that. We were having dinner while the, uh, the Raiders and the Knights were doing battle down there in Canberra. I think it's a great slot. I'd love to see it every week. Um, let's hope maybe that's uh, a fact in the future. Franchise footy, more who, of it. Who wins that game? Uh, Roosters at home. Just. Roosters at home? I, I'd, I'd love to be able to tip the Knights, but I think the Roosters uh, will, will click into gear even more so than they did last weekend. Yeah, I think you. I'm going to say you might be right, but by no flash margin, I'm going to say it's a close one, and they win maybe by two or four points. I hope so. Uh, on paper, it's the sort of game that that really deserves that sort of yeah. finish, doesn't it? Yeah. The Knights have shown uh, again, like the Tigers and the Warriors and others, they are a vastly different team um, to the team that's played over the past couple of seasons. Disregard, you know, the base they were coming off. They are a good team. They've proven that, and they'll give the Roosters a massive shake. In, uh, in that final game of round three. Yeah, and if uh, you could go back and adjust your predicted one through 16 before the season, would you be doing so now, Warren? <laughs> wow. I didn't, I didn't really have a, a great deal of change, I guess, as far as the top eight was concerned. Maybe a few position swaps and maybe one or two. Because invariably, you know, the top eight evolves over seasons. It's only one or two teams each year that really drop out. There's mm. never really a wholesale change as far as the top eight. We, we, we never have six teams from one year to the next all miss the top eight. This might be the year, Matty. <laughs> yeah. This Indeed might be might. the year. Well, I'm happy to reveal that I had West Tigers finishing last. and uh, Wow, they won't be finishing last from what I've seen now. No question. No question. Hey, it's been fun. It has been, mate.
Round three, three games. Rest up, research up. We'll hear you this weekend, Was Watch it all on Fox League. Until next week, this is You Can Take Me Now. I have seen it all.